0: And welcome back to the Lauren and Valor podcast. I'm your host, Justin Watts, and I'm joined again today by my fellow authors and veterans, Joelle Presby, uh, formerly of the United States Navy, author of the upcoming near future hard science fiction novel, Dabaray Snake Launcher. I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna be able to say that right instinctively <laughs> soon. Uh, and uh, recently retired Air Force helicopter pilot and author of science fiction, secret history, alternate history, uh, and many other genres, Casey Azell. Hi. And then joining us for the first time is a um, a developer from a small independent game developer you probably haven't <laughs> even heard of. Uh, my friend to uh, uh, educate and edify us on how Arcane not only pleases the general audience, but integrates the game aspects of League of Legends very well Brian Urban Thanks for joining us, Brian. Yay, Brian. All right. Cool. So, so happy to be back with you guys. Uh, it seems like we've got a good keel on the channel and I'm really excited to get back into Arcane. Uh, I've said it in several different places. Arcane is my favorite property to hit big or small screen in the last year. Um, yeah. And out a lot of things that I'm, 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 uh, I'm very fond of. So um, I'll go ahead and open it up and say, guys, uh, what struck you about this episode? What was most exciting to you about this one? Uh, And since he's new, uh, I'll go ahead and haze the newbie. Brian, you go ahead and lead us off.
1: (laughs) Lord. Um, So, we get to meet Caitlyn and... Sorry, not meet Caitlyn, we get to have Caitlyn start to move herself more full into the center stage, and we have her first real interactions with Vi. Um, And that's something that fans of the lore knew was coming and we were waiting to see it happen because of the way they representatives such oil and water um, their unfolding over the series relationship does lead somewhere that is very well known to league players and so it's very nice to see it um played out in a way that is throwing some twists we didn't expect but is clearly like we can see the path from here to where they end up cool well
2: joelle Um, the the story was fun, but I kept being drawn to how beautiful Piltover is and how, you know, I'm planning to go on vacation there and now I know where I don't want to eat and I know that if I see a blue haired woman, whether it's Caitlin or Jinx or Powder, I'm going to go the other way with my tour group. We're turning the bus around, (laughs) but otherwise I expect to have a lovely time in Piltover.
0: Nice. Casey? Um,
3: I'm, so I am not a league player, but I was also super excited because they teased, um, you know, at the end of episode four, they teased Caitlin meeting Vi, and I was very excited to see how that interaction was going to go down. Um, And then the Um, the other thing that I was very interested in was the continuation of Victor's storyline as his condition, as his physical condition continues to worsen and his frustration with their progress with the Hextech continues to build. um, I'm getting like, you know, super villain backstory vibes (laughs) kind of a little bit coming, coming from it, you know? Um, So, and, and uh, yeah, as I've, you know, as I've done since the beginning, I've been trying to, um, and it gets, it gets harder every episode because every time I'm like, Oh, I just want to keep going. You know? Um, I literally just finished watching right before we started, uh, started recording this. And like, I, I had to like, no, it's time. I got to stop. I can't cheat and move ahead an episode because I have to stop so that we can record this, um, but, um, but yeah, so, so I have no idea if I'm right. You know, um, I, uh, But I, it was, but I'm, I'm enjoying these, I'm enjoying the speculation, you know, uh, or the ability to speculate without knowing what's going on. Um, But yeah, I'm, I, uh, I loved, I loved the beginning interactions between Vi and, um, and Caitlin. And there was one moment that like really struck me when If if I can start jumping ahead, Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So there was one moment that really struck me. So there during their initial interview, um, Caitlin shows Vi the like graffiti that Powder left behind, or that Jinx left behind, Um, and that of course gets a reaction out of Vi because she recognizes it as her sister's little character that she draws everywhere. Um, But then. Uh, you know, then then that interaction, like they both sort of reset and cooled back. Um, mm-hmm. And then Caitlin went and pulled her strings with her buddy, then the brand new counselor, um, which yeah. there were some very funny moments in that episode where, you know, again, <laughs> we're all here for a second, but when Marcus is like, what is this, your first day on the job? And he's like, second.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, sometimes <laughs> the junior officer, a junior leader, most of the time it's really wise to shut up and listen. Right. Sometimes you have to be like, yeah, I'm new. I don't care. Do it this way. You know, yeah, exactly. That line, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. doesn't always parse that properly.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) When your experienced subordinate says, with all due respect, you need to realize that something's going on. And he just, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's talking to Marcus, though, and we'll get into that, too, and why Marcus isn't necessarily giving him the best advice. Of course. Of (laughs) course. But
3: the moment that that really struck me was, um, and again, it's so like the visuals or the visual storytelling in this series is so freaking good that when Caitlin comes back and she opens, you know, she she says, I have I have a note for your release or whatever, whatever it is, she says. And the cell door opens and we get that extreme close up of Vi kind of looking sideways and the vulnerability that the artists give us in her face and in her eyes like that was Chef's kiss, you know, like it was mm-hmm. perfect. It was so, 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 so good because you know what she's thinking. She's thinking, is this a trick? Are they just going to come in and like beat the shit out of me again? Um, is you know, or is it real? Do I actually have a chance to gain my freedom and find my sister? You know, so
2: yeah. Uh,
0: one thing I I'd like to I thought was really well done was the flashback at the opening to give yeah. us more. Like, because, like, Caitlin, we talked about last episode how it's nice to have Caitlin as a, to flesh out the the upper class isn't entirely made of bourgeois fops. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like, and that, but that, like, to see Caitlin interacting with Grayson Mm -hmm. from from a while ago, like, and how that formed her character to, you know, get into her mind that her abilities aren't just about, because Caitlin comes across in that as very competitive, wanting to win things in her own right but to add to it and for the words of service to resonate, that it's not just about being excellent. It's about using those abilities to actually do something important. I thought it was really good. And I thought the rifle course was just super cool and I wanted to run it.
2: Yeah. Totally. Um, yes, that, that's <laughs> another thing I'm going to do on vacation. You know, how in Vegas you can go shoot the machine guns. We're, we're going to Piltover and we're going to do yeah. the, the firearms course.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually, I was super psyched to see more of Grayson's character because she seems like such a cool character, and you know, she, she died relatively early on in the series, and I understand why she had to, um, but there's there's a part of me that's like oh like i wanted i wanted more of her so it was cool to to get that little vignette
0: yeah brian the the dynamic between uh the enforcers the undercity and piltover uh like how is that how much of that is apparent in the game like characters like grayson and marcus are those playable characters or are those characters invented for the show Surely
1: many on? for the show really there true. is there, the, the enforcers and, and whatnot are all, many things are referred to mm-hmm. in the show, in the characters' backstories. Um, in the game, something that is fascinating is um, the characters have uh, between 20 and 60 minutes of dialogue in the game that is triggered by different interactions of other characters. So when one character defeats another character, they may say a specific... More appropriate quip of my interaction with you, and so okay. if, if they have history together, whatever. So Caitlin is an enforcer, um, and so when she deals with Jinx in the game, um, they refer to uh, uh, they refer to stuff that we're going to see a little bit of in the show, mm-hmm. right? I- it's, and it's spoken in terms of of an arresting officer to a perpetrator. I
0: understood. I understood. Um, yeah, Grayson is such a good character, and I do miss her, um, and it's like like we've talked about before, that, you know, peace is such a difficult thing to maintain, and as soon as you remove just a few people who are maintaining it, it tends to collapse. Um, or collapse. Again. <laughs> Say again? Or corrupt them. Or yeah. Or corrupt them. Uh, and thank you. Great segue. Marcus. Um, I thought, I do not like him, but I think they're doing a fantastic job with his character. Um, I loved the fact that we see from his demeanor at the funeral and his attempts to stand up to Silco, it's almost worse because he knows he's wrong. Yeah, like This is not someone who is fully gone. He is just so compromised against from what he thinks he is to what he's actually doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yet all this time, I was thinking that he was completely Silco's creature, but he kept secret that Vi was alive, and, mm-hmm. alive. and yeah. I mean if Silco had known that she was alive in prison, he possibly could have arranged her to be not alive, <laughs> or, or or Marcus could have let her out sooner, or there, yeah. there are a lot of different, there are a lot of other things he could have done that probably would have been less good for, for Piltover, not for Zahn, but for Piltover.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And yeah.
2: he doesn't I don't think he cares about Zahn, at least at this point. I don't know if he ever will, but
0: no, yeah, I if agree. He and then, about
2: Zahn, he might have made different choices if he saw both parts of the city as important.
0: Sure, and that that is the, the is the fallacy that leads him down the road, right? Is because yeah, he yeah. he doesn't understand there has to be give and take, right? Uh, the way that Grayson did, you know, as far as he's concerned, it's yeah, no, we're built over your Zahn. You have to do what we say, right? Um, and i but I appreciate the fantasy with the grenade when he's talking to Silco, when he's sitting yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, like it looks like he's gonna do like it it plays through with what's going on in his mind. Um i I wasn't fooled, but I yeah. did I did think it was very good nonetheless. and that Silco Silco read him correctly. You know, he's like, you won't, you know right you're like, right. not gonna pull that pen. But does Silco understand how close he was to pulling the pen? after all so silko's obviously a brilliant villain but Mm -hmm. he's still clearly foul he's fallible and maybe he was on a closer margin than he thought
3: yeah yeah and i loved I, i i'm with you i loved that fantasy because uh it was it was an indicator of all of those things that that we were just talking about it's an indicator that marcus knows he knows he's compromised he feels trapped he knows that like there's no there's no good way out of this he doesn't live up to grayson's example he's not worthy to you know carry her title and to to carry on her legacy and to um you know be honored with uh you know the the honors that she has earned right he knows that and he knows that that there's no way there's no real way out for him um, except maybe that one, but that one, we already, because we saw earlier the interaction with him and his daughter, that one leaves the, you know, the person he cares about the most vulnerable. So he's got to find an, a, you know, a different way out. And um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what way he finds. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So. No, that is- Go ahead, Brian.
1: I don't think you guys mentioned this the last time. Um, but if you did, sorry to repeat it. Uh, I think it's very interesting that Silco blamed Vander and Marcus blamed Grayson for their secret peace. Yep. previously. Yeah. And now they're both to- together in a secret piece doing the thing they accused their former compatriots of treason for doing and yes. they're doing worse.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe not from Silco's perspective.
1: It's fair. Well, sure, but
0: from yeah, but from yeah, no, you're right, Joel. Uh but that's a great observation, Brian, that it is like they are the hypocrisy inherent uh in the way they operate is is both interesting and completely believable uh based on what we see in real life. You know, yeah it is, it, it is like, yeah, no, people operate on that different rules for thee, but not for me basis. Mm-hmm. You know, Silco, like we talked about last episode, is you know, I'm doing all this for Zahn, and it's like you've improved nothing in Zahn. Like you're you're the biggest power and you've done nothing for the common man in Zahn yeah. so far. So yeah, I think you're incredibly brilliant, but also delusional and self-serving.
3: I, I think and and I think that's one of the strengths of the show is that there, there's this repeating theme, right? That that leadership is hard, you know, and that when you when you are truly a leader, you end up making compromises. You you end up in a situation where you have to, you know, choose what you perceive to be the lesser of two evils. And nobody can understand that until they're in that role until, you know, because we saw it like, again, we saw it with, with Vondra and, and Silco. We see it with Grayson and Marcus. Um, and I think we're starting to see it with Jace. Um, oh, you know, as he's, yeah. as he's transitioning onto the council and, you know, uh, you know, starts his, you know, his rom- his crusades, right? Like, yeah, it's, um, I, I, I love that. I, I think that they're, again, I think they're doing a really, really good job of carrying through that theme in, you know, by looking at it, by allowing us to see it from multiple perspectives, from, you know, in different, different scenarios, but the same, same sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, it holds true, right? And you I mean, you can even see it a little bit in Caitlin and Marcus, you know, now granted, Marcus Mm -hmm. is, is not, um, we've already discussed how he's a compromised leader, but he is clearly operating under pressures that she knows nothing about. Right.
2: And Caitlin's, Caitlin's having a lot of naivete Mm -hmm. ripped off her in this
0: episode. Yeah. Yeah. I love too that Caitlin is characterized as naive, but not stupid. Yeah. Like the truth is staring her in the face. She doesn't deny it. She's not like, Oh, well that's not real. You know, she adjusts to reality. She just doesn't know what she doesn't know yet. Um, I appreciate that. I want to talk about Jace a little bit because Mm -hmm. this sort of plot line with the intrigues and the power shifting could so easily dissolve into Phantom Menace council meetings, mm-hmm. yes. right, because it is—it's so easy to get into like, oh, we're we're in another subcommittee meeting. But I love just Mel Madara, the the councilwoman, and Jace conversing, uh, and their tension, and then I love Heimerdinger enjoying the opera mm-hmm. while Jace is—that's on our tour deal. plan. Yeah. And, <laughs> <The opera. laughs> <laughs> um, but I, lo- I love Heimerdinger just sitting there oblivious, enjoying his show uh-huh. while Jace is cutting all these deals and the balance of power is shifting around him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very artistic and very yeah. revealing of Heimerdinger's complacency. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the problem with him. He's a good character. He's a wise character. He's complacent. Um, and I think that was a very artistic way of the show to, to show that. And you're so right, Casey, that leadership in just about any role is you know, the art of the possible. Right. Right. And you go in, Jace is going in with all these high-minded idealistic goals, but as soon as he actually has power, the minute you're trying to do the right thing and nothing but the right thing, it unifies every shit bag in the city against you. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, do you want to stay clean or do you want to get things done? Right. Like prioritize or be rendered completely ineffective. Your yep. choice. Yeah. Um, she and it's sure so it. beautiful and beautiful.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I yeah, I thought it I thought it was really, really well done. So
1: yeah. Quick comment and on I the, love, um, oh. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Quick comment on the opera. Uh, the area depicted is an area called Freljord, which is an area as or more developed in lore than as Piltover and Zaun with a huge cast of characters that is at the time of the the setting, uh, engaged in a massive civil war which is about to break out to hit more of the world.
2: Oh, wow. So Marvelous. is that like a previous game, that nope. Civil War that's de- depicted in the opera?
1: Nope. OK. I, I was, it, it, I was
2: wondering how much backstory was in there.
1: Uh, yeah, so no, the, the opera's just the opera. But okay. the region, it's 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 depicting the specific architecture, the waves, the ice, those specific boats. Yeah. That's the yard region. Hmm. The war is coming
0: that's so, really cool so what you're telling us is we could have arcane for seasons and seasons and seasons to come yes as long as it keeps dating well i love that news <laughs> um, I, I think that's one of the best things i've heard all day I, I love that as
3: as long as netflix keeps making money on it
0: so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, you know gosh it smashed every expectation right yeah. in terms of viewership yeah um, I also like Mel's uh, just one throwaway line that's you could, it's easy to miss. But when she's opening up to Jace somewhat, um, she says the Madaras, her family, just take from this world.
3: Mm-hmm. So you have see her yeah. as
0: this Machiavellian figure, rightfully so, for a long time. And it turns out like, yeah, but the reason she's drawn to Jace is because she shares some of those same drives. She's just further along in the process than he is.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure if I should take her at her word, if she was saying that because she meant it or because she was saying that because she thought he wanted to hear it.
0: Well,
3: two things could be true. Right. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I took it. Like, I think she genuinely was getting a little vulnerable, but I think mm-hmm. she was doing it with intent and with her eyes wide open, knowing that by getting a little vulnerable, she binds him closer to her. Because I, you know, I haven't forgotten... That he let her down when he didn't announce the, um, you know, the new technology as she had had wanted him to do. Right, and right. I don't think this is all a big ploy to necessarily punish him because I think that he is she judges him as as worth more than that. like he could be. But I do think that her choice, to kiss him to come on to him to begin a romantic affair with him mm-hmm. um, she wants
0: more than kissing this episode
3: well well <laughs> right the kissing, the kissing was the inciting event right like yeah, yeah, you know i got you. Yeah, I got you. they you don't get to the um to the got brown you. chicken brown <laughs> cow yeah <laughs> the kissing. but and that was her choice like she mm-hmm. she turned and kissed him which we've talked before about like how she is like exquisitely beautiful could have anyone she wants like if she's pursuing someone there are reasons for it and the reason might just be that she genuinely has feelings for him but in this case i think that while she is affectionate with him while she enjoys his company while she um admires his brilliance she's still going to use him because that's who she is who she's raised to be that's how she knows how to exert control
0: over her world I think that's a very good observation. I am, um, and I, I think you're right. I don't think it's just because he's a super hot CrossFit scientist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, although it doesn't, I'm sure it doesn't hurt.
1: Did you pick up on the painting? Did you get a good look at it?
3: I was curious about the painting.
2: I, I yeah, I, I, I did. Was, comments. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, that's her home. That is battleships in a line and soldiers arrayed on the field
2: mm-hmm. did you notice how she is mixing her own paints for that painting but she's wearing her regular full ball gown outfit no or like lady you are definitely a rich girl you know like you're doing the, the the whole art artiste thing by making your own paints but you don't care at all about Messing up your clothes and getting your, your here and
0: there. Incredibly expensive clothing. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a, there's a few things that are funny like that. Like for instance, like Vi is just as good at parkour after being in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I saw that too. I was like, hmm. Okay. Okay, All right. Yeah. I, I see you show. They, yeah. they
3: must yeah.
2: have the kind of prison where you know there there's yard time and they all just kind of rumble together and have, have gang fights on the regular. Either that, or
3: she just spent the entire time doing yoga.
0: You know, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: she
0: seems like so, a yoga type person. Yeah,
2: yeah right. Because yeah. yoga helps you with parkour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it helps with balance. Yeah, but
1: <laughs> the parkour elements are actually a game homage. Um, I'm sure. One can, yeah. of her signature abilities is the ability to vault over walls in the game. Ah. One of the things that makes her particularly useful at the role she plays, mm-hmm. and so. Turning that into her core skills in the show was that.
2: That's yeah. Funny. Is powder not as good at it? Nope. Mm-hmm. She's not. Okay.
1: She's not nearly no, as good at it. Just... it... Hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't. I don't actually have a problem with it. It's just something I noted that she's supposed to have been in prison for years and comes out and is just as athletic as ever and hasn't yeah. lost a step. And it's like, well, okay, we'll go with it. It's... So it was very, it was,
3: it was very interesting to me that um, when she gets into the fight with whatever the other chick's name is. Uh, Silka's number two. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: Sadiqa.
3: Yeah. Sadiqa. When, when, when she confronts her and they're in a fight and Sadiqa says something about like, you've, you didn't learn anything while you were in prison or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, did she say that? Did she say in prison?
0: Uh, I think so, yeah.
3: So she would have known that she was alive.
2: Huh. I don't remember that. I'd have to go back and rewatch I'd it. have
3: to go back and watch the actual verbiage. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one of the things that, that I thought was interesting yeah, no,
0: was... Oh, never mind. Yeah, never okay. mind. You're right. It, it is still a question of continuity there. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. I mean, unless she did know, which. Yeah. And Silco
0: didn't. Right. Which He's would a be. a kind of
2: scary guy. I can see not wanting to tell the boss stuff.
3: Yeah. 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 Or working with Marcus to, you know, if she knew because Marcus knew or something. I don't know. I, I this is all speculation. I have to go back and look at the actual verbiage because it's possible in
2: part character because she was with Vander before.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So Fair she enough. might be like Marcus and not completely turned.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Well, the the the, the reason I brought that up was, was she says something about like you didn't learn anything. And um, you know, while she's wailing on Vi. Mm-hmm. And what I rea- what I realized is that Vi absolutely did learn something. She learned the art of taking a punch, um, mm-hmm. which is is priceless, right? Like
2: painful to acquire, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but priceless it, to be. It fits the narrative because the guard it was beating her up regularly.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And and they take they took pains to show us that, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought that that was I I thought that that was really cool, like a really cool way of. Of turning that on its head, it's like, well, you know, now we have this explanation as to why this woman can take so much punishment and still keep moving forward. And I also thought this was interesting. Um, there was a a movie that was made um, where it was set in a prison, and the actor who was playing the lead role. And I apologize, I don't remember who this was or what this movie was, but I do remember this article where they said that the actor actually went and spoke with inmates who had. <laughs> who had been repeatedly punished for fighting and like essentially learned a prison fighting style. And the one, the one like thing that I, I remember them saying about it is that it's all very confined, right? Because not only are you in a box, but some, you just don't have a lot of room to maneuver. And a lot of times you're trying to do things quickly before you get noticed and, and put on the ground or whatever. And so I thought it was very interesting at, at, like from fight choreography perspective, it seems to ring very true that Vi would back into that narrow space where she can more fully control what's going on and and somewhat negate the effects of, of uh, Sadiqah's you know crazy bionic arm thing um, by by getting in this narrow corridor where she can just you know go at her in the way that she has developed knowing how to do because she's been in prison. So, um,
0: all really cool details. Yeah, I agree. Um, in the Vi and Caitlin plotline, l- another like minor note, and I get that it's probably video game design and they don't want to muck around with that too much Yeah. because you have a fan base, but I'm not the wokest dude in the planet. We all know that, but I do think the enforcer should probably have pants. Pants <laughs> 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 um, are overrated. It, it's not that I can't appreciate the aesthetic. I do. <laughs> when she's trying to operate i'm like oh that seems like a lot of trouble waiting to happen going into an unsanitary yeah. environment we are going to be doing adventuring you probably want yeah. some pants yeah um but all that joke all that joking aside i i like that caitlin is both shocked by the zon bordello uh, but quickly adapts to it uh yeah as well. um right. and, uh, our friend mona lisa wanted to point out like um joelle who, which of you is the most suspicious of heimerdinger oh that's me okay so casey mm-hmm. keeps talking about heimerdinger's dark side and mm-hmm. mona lisa jokingly noted it's like oh yeah that's heimerdinger in the gimp mask that's his dark side. <laughs> 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 so
3: I, I head, to head, head, head to cannon him. accepted
1: yeah
0: so <laughs> i did appreciate that um uh and i do like the the i think Vi and caitlin make a very good buddy cop pair yeah, um, and then, uh, so since we already kind of touched on Jason Mell, I did want to not forget to point out that I like that the two acts of creation being <laughs> juxtaposed, the brown chicken, brown ch- cow, uh, sexy fun times, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Victor, uh, overdoing mad science. Uh, and I'm sure that the fact that his first name is Victor is not a subtle allusion to a Mary <laughs> Shelley character at all. I'm, I'm sure they would never do anything like that. Um. But I did like, and, and even more than that, for, for Victor's character, I like the, the, the lab assistant who has an obvious crush on him, and he's oblivious to, tells him there's always tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. you know, I feel that, um, not to get too heavy, but I lost a friend to burn pit related cancer very young, mm-hmm. just recently, and the there's always tomorrow. It's like, well, but maybe there's not right um and i felt for victor in that moment that it's like oh there's always tomorrow it's like well maybe not for me though yeah you know and we now know he's ill and has may have very shortened time span so i thought that was a very good way of justifying the flagrantly stupid things i'm sure he's about to do um, and That's giving him funny. a real human motivation that could drive you to do it in a yeah. way that still leaves you a sympathetic character
2: and earlier in the episode, when they're first starting to, to play with, with the device, Jace tells Victor, let's see, I even wrote it down. Are you sure this is safe, Jace says. And Victor like, says, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. And then, Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah I, it, I see, I,
3: that's, I keyed in on that scene too with the lab assistant as well, Justin, because, um, you know, we have this, this flashback of, of tiny Victor, making his little boat. And one of the little girls that's playing nearby comes over and looks at him like, she's interested, like, who are you? Why aren't you playing with us? Mm-hmm. But then someone calls and she like leaves. And so he's like, okay, cool. And, and so he goes off. I mean, he, we see that that tiny Victor is like, oh, you know, he would have liked to have had some human interaction there, but obviously that's not going to happen. And so he, he turns and and you know buries that emotion in his curiosity about this this boat that he's built, and so he follows the boat and he meets this you know science hermit living in a cave, yeah. <laughs> which uh, super curious about that guy, interested in finding out more. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he meets this science hermit living in a cave and um, like there's this, this line about loneliness and it's like, so when, you know, when, when we go back to the, the scene about, and I may be getting ahead of myself talking about that flashback, but when we go back to the scene with the lab assistant, you know, there's that, well, there's always tomorrow. I could, I could see very clearly that the lab assistant was like, you can do this tomorrow, spend the time that you have, you know, creating a human connection. And, and Victor's just, Entirely dismissive of it, somewhat, somewhat oblivious, but also probably just like, you know, he spent so much of his life thinking, oh, that's not for me. That it doesn't even cross his mind that that's what's going on, you know. And there's tragedy there, right? Yeah. Because we all need human connection.
0: Yeah, completely agree. It is very poignant. Um, it is very poignant and very tragic. And I'm not going to say anything more for fear of spoilers. Um, the person we haven't talked about yet, though, is Jinx, and it's not like she doesn't get some time in this episode. That's <laughs> um, arguably the beat of it. So, um, I'll start out with one of my favorites, uh, the boxing machine, when she goes back to her old haunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was such. And Brian, I'm I'm gonna give you a chance to go off here, but because I feel like you're gonna have have some good stuff to say about this, but I thought that was such a beautiful rendition of her angst. Uh, and love of her sister um, and just so visually stunning and kinetically stunning. Even just sitting and watching it, you feel the impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, go ahead, bud. I know, I know you got something.
1: When, before Netflix aired, uh, a clip of that scene of her walking into the arcade in the boxing machine was the teaser trailer that Netflix put out to help promote the show. And so this is a time when no one knew what Arcane was going to be, and there was just blithe assumption of the video game curse where they all suck. Yep. <laughs> and they, they put that scene out there. And I watched it, pick my jaw off the floor, and watched it again at like using YouTube's controls to go like frame by frame through a bunch of it to see the parts where she's picturing the past and there's a superimposition of the X'd out eyes and the smiley faces and the demon faces of it. Mm-hmm. And the juxtaposition of it's Vi throwing a punch and then it's Jinx throwing a kick, mm-hmm. uh, it was fucking brilliant. Yeah.
3: yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was. It was. It was gorgeous. It was. I'm. I'm. I love the way that they're depicting Vi's or not Vi's uh, Jinx's madness, her her mental illness, her you know whatever whatever we want to call it. I'm going to use the word madness. Um, I hope that I hope that no one. Um, here's any stigma. I, I don't mean it that way, but I use that term because I it's um, it's they call it that in, liter- in literature a lot, and that's what yeah. I said. Right? It's,
0: it's an appropriate, dramatic term for jinx. Yeah. We're, not, yeah. we're not being pejorative towards anyone suffering from mental health issues. Please seek the help you need without stigma. Uh, Absolutely. we all do need it sometimes, so Absolutely. but yes, jinx is suffering to our TED bad. talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, you know, as a literary device that's what it is. It's it's the character's madness, right? So, mm-hmm. um and and I love 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 the way that they're portraying that. I, you know, with the the overlapping voices and the um, you know, the the like Brian said the juxt, the um juxtaposition of the visuals that, you know, she's seeing because when we sense things as humans, we we sense them in our brain, which is why illusions exist and why, you know, it's entirely possible for us to see things that aren't quote unquote really there and entirely possible for us to hear voices that quote unquote aren't really there. They're there in our brain. They're very real to us, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so I, I just, I think that, that again, the, the storytelling quality here is so good and and the ways in which they're doing that is just, it's, it's so good.
0: Yeah. You're, you're not wrong about that. I mean, all you need is to suffer enough sleep deprivation uh, and even a perfect yeah. person, not struggling with their mental health. Um, right. And frankly, three of us. We'll start start to struggle. Do- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and frankly, three of us on this screen hallucinate vividly and write it down for other people. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we try to do for a living. So, or you know, even, think-
3: yeah. Three of us here, three of us here are parents and how many of us have had an infant sleeping and we wake up in the middle of the night, certain that the kid is crying.
2: Yeah, the kids dead to <laughs>
0: the world. Like, I think we all do that. <laughs> Complete tangent, but how much of a relief is it when you're a new parent and you, fr- you hear the baby crying and you start to react and you realize it's not yours? <laughs> 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 like, I, like I'll be in a, in a public place and I hear the crying and I'm like, oh Lord God, what do I have? <gasps> it's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I look at the other parent and I'm like, I understand. Yeah. I don't know how everybody else is feeling, but I'm not mad at you. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me know if I can help. <laughs> yeah. Like, is there anything you need? Can I go grab you something? Yeah, yeah. Uh no. Um, the other thing I wanted to get into the jinx the, the jinx arc, so to speak, is I love the tone of Silco's conversations with her. And yes. that Silco tells other people what he needs to tell them to get them to do what he wants them to do. And he's doing that with Jinx as well. But you also get the sense that he wants Jinx to understand. You know, like, there's a feeling of, like, he actually wants Jinx to approve,
1: yeah. not yeah. he
0: wants. Yeah. And that he trusts Jinx more than his more experienced mad scientists who mm-hmm. developed the shimmer for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he yes. has mad scientists yes. on staff, but mm-hmm. he trusts Jinx to... to manipulate the hex tech. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool.
3: There's a, he has a vulnerability when talking to her that he has with no one else. And that's mm-hmm. fascinating to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and like when he taunts Vi, like I thought you were the pick of Vonder's litter, mm-hmm. but you know, like I, I really, <laughs> really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Um, we, we by far, oh, and then I'm going to throw in one sour grape uh, and that this is an amazing episode, but it does have my least favorite thing on the show the Imagine Dragons music video popped in the middle of it when she's walking around. I was just like, I'm sure they cost a lot of money to get to do your whole soundtrack. But, and I don't mind that they're the soundtrack even. I actually, this is the best thing Imagine Dragons has ever done. But I'm just, I was like, ah, you didn't need to do that. Like, I felt that was a little disruptive, but. See, I kind of liked it. Honestly, Uh, fine. That's fine. Like, I just I didn't, you know, and I'll
3: tell you and I'll tell you why that this whole episode had a very and you're going to think I'm a broken record because I say this, you know, about a lot of things. But, you know, noir is my jam. Right. And this whole episode had a very noir vibe to it. Right. Um, and there's, there's, there's strong, there's strong more threads throughout the, throughout the series, but this one in particular, you know, with the scene with Vi, like just getting out of prison and sitting at the, you know, at the counter in the rundown. I mean, she could have been Rick Deckard slurping noodles in the rain. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was that <laughs> okay. same scene, right. Um, you know, with, with coming back to the old neighborhood and seeing all the changes and, um, and having like the, the strong presence of the mood music and walking by like the live, you know, there's there's a there's a strong tradition of that in Norflix, you know, not necessarily of 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 having like the actual um, artist there, but you know, like the street musician, for example. Um, and so I I I just thought it was a, an homage to that. And yeah, it probably helped pay the bills to get Imagine Dragons to um <laughs> to to collaborate, but um but I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah.
1: They actually play with music like that a lot. Uh, the jukebox in Vander's bar, Kim Silco's bar, is used frequently as a device to yep. put, to bring soundtrack into the world, not just to the audience. And uh, the it's diegetic, not exegetic, all
0: the time. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it was two episodes ago. But the thing where Jinx is grooving out to her little phonograph while she's working on science stuff, the song she's grooving out to was the theme song they released the character to six years ago. Oh, cool. That's oh. She's cool. out to her very, own team. But
0: yeah. Very cool. I, I, and that is super cool to know. And I want to be clear, the music, even though I'm not the hugest Imagine Dragons fan, I'm not an Imagine Dragons hater. I feel like that's pretty basic too, but they're not like one of my top 10 bands. The music mostly works for me. My, my favorite musical moment uh, that's, uh, again, diegetic, meaning it's existing within the world, is when you have that one track that sounds like it's Motown, and the tension is, what will Vonder do? From a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that that little sequence. That worked for me, but for some reason, the this one just didn't hit right with me. But I can totally understand why it would appeal yeah. to others. So, if that's my biggest complaint about the show, it's a pretty small complaint. Um, I have. Oh, sorry, Justin. No, go, go ahead, Casey. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say I have one kind of to balance out your 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 one complaint. I think I found so far my favorite line in the entire series in this episode. And it is when Silco says, what is truth but a survivor's story? Like, I wanna, I don't know, I want that, I wanna make a title of a book out of that. (laughs) 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 Something, because what is truth but a survivor story, right? Winners write the history books. And if you live long enough, you get to tell everyone else what happened.
0: Yeah, although, do they? I mean, they do. This this is a Can of Worms episode, but I'm just going to say <laughs> yeah. that some cultures are better about preserving contradictory narratives than others. Um, we, despite some criticisms, do preserve countervailing narratives better than most cultures. The Athenians, uh, the ancient Athenians, also preserved countervailing narratives very well. Otherwise, we wouldn't have anything positive about Sparta. That, that we would that we would know, mm-hmm. um, so the victors do write the history books, but sometimes the victors can show surprising intellectual honesty, as it depends well. So,
2: which civilization victory path you have chosen at that time?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, no, like it's a valid. Like I don't want to. I'm not trying to be argumentative. It's just something that fascinates me as a historian. Sure, I know we all share some yeah. passion for history. Uh, and that it's like, yeah, the the victors do, do definitely get the spin. but the truth usually comes out as well. Um, the, the 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 more of the objective truth. I love that whole sequence too, and I love the the dark twist on a baptism. Yes.
3: You know? Yeah. Oh, I, I I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that too. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I can't forget that that's happened, right? Like she. She chose, she chose to let Powder go and become Jinx. So what does that mean for the rest of the story?
0: Absolutely. Um, There's so much in this episode and we definitely haven't covered everything great about it. So definitely everyone go rewatch it. You'll love it just as much the second time. I know I did, Um, but we we are getting close on time. So we'll go final thoughts before we do the outro. Brian, final thoughts on episode number five. Everyone wants to be my enemy.
1: There's a very, very brief moment that flits right past the screen during the brothel where you see uh, a man and a woman cross his lap and they're both wearing masks. And those masks are emblematic of a different character that is the embodiment of death. One One is the hunt that ends your life and the other is the impetus to have a life lived to the fullest to be worth ending. Picture those, those masks on people in a brothel that says about their attitudes towards where they are. Just like little shit like that, sorry, all over the place that once you know the game more, you start seeing, which is layer upon layer that is existing in that background that you just flit across that has a lot to it. They're sure they're thinking about doing with it. Oh,
0: that's awesome. God damn, man. I am so glad we pulled you into this podcast. I know. That'd I be- want to know all oh, of those things. You have to tell us all of
3: those uh, little Easter eggs. <laughs> God. that's dope. Hair,
0: hair yeah. arms standing up. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Casey,
3: um, I should have saved my my encapsulating line for my final thoughts.
2: <laughs> um, yeah,
3: yeah no, nope. said it all. It's awesome. Good, Joel. All
2: right, this is a nitpick, but okay. this is the, this is the episode where I start to not like Jace as much because he talks through the opera. As a former band geek, I'm like, come on, I wanna hear what they're saying. I wanna hear it. I wanna move out of the way and let me watch the show. <laughs> yes, yes, this is halftime. I get it. Now, now, we're done with the football. Let's watch the show. <laughs>
0: excellent. Awesome. Ex- excellent observation. I love that. Um, I'm sure my wife would agree with you as a former musical theater performer in college that it's like, hey, yeah. hey. Um, I love that. Um, okay. Uh, so before we say goodbye, uh, let's talk about uh, what you guys have going on. Brian, what are you working on? What's that? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know, but you still have to do it. <laughs> Brian, it- what are you working on? What's out now? Where can people see your work?
1: Uh, people can see my work at the battle.net uh, game front. Um, my next project is a not yet announced, but probably very easily guessed um, addition to the forthcoming launch of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2.
0: Like I said, a small independent studio you've probably never heard of. Probably never heard of. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. So I don't remember who was first last time. No. Joelle, what what do you got coming out? Um, What's out now that people can get?
2: The, the eARC, the Electronic Advanced Reader Copy, is available for purchase from Bane.com. You do not have to hack the server. You can give them money. <laughs> and they will give you the book, you know, formatted for ebooks and everything for Dabre Snake Launcher.
0: I, I will not do it, but I am tempted to do the Tony Daniel bogus definition of an eARC, arc uh, electronic, <laughs> electronic advanced reader copy, in case you're wearing what that stands for, guys. Um, and get it. I'm a few chapters in. It's, it's both, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know how much of this was conscious effort. It harkens back to golden age sci-fi while being something all its own. But not nay, I'm dumb and I'm trying to subvert expectations for a good sake. Clay. I did it on purpose. Um, <laughs> you're hitting it, Joel. I, I love it so far and I can't wait to finish it. Casey, what's out for you and what's up next?
3: Um, so my next release um, is, uh, I've got a short story coming out in Marisa Wolf's uh, The Valkyries Initiative anthology. Just like Joel does, Joel is over there on my screen. Um, Joel and I both have short stories coming out in September in the Valkyries Initiative, um, so you should go check that out from independent publisher Chris Kennedy Publishing. Um, it's part of it's part of the spinoff of the Hit World series, which is just cool like urban fantasy noir, all things are possible type setting. Um, and then uh, on the trail pub side, in also in September. Um, oh, I have I have a visual aid. You guys look. <laughs> no game for uh, okay. night. Nice. This is the non-E arc. This is the advanced reader copy. Um, but yeah, so this comes out in September and it is a, a an anthology of there we go, an anthology of the dark side of science fiction and fantasy heroes. So it's kind of the equal time answer to um noir fatale that we we put out a couple of years ago. So this one focuses on the noir archetype of the detective. Um, in science fiction and fantasy stories. Yep, there, Brian has yeah. Marfitell.
0: First, first anthology she's talking about, Yeah.
3: Yeah, so check that out in September. It's going to be amazing. It is amazing. We've got, like, so many great
0: stories in this one, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's an all-star lineup that uh, that you and Larry put together. Great job on that one. Thanks. All right, so if you have enjoyed our content, please like, subscribe, hit the bell, or leave us a five-star review on your podcast venue of choice. We're available on most of them. That is... Oh, and links to all our work will be in the liner note in the podcast notes on your What? What? Stop laughing at me. You froze. Um I just stick it. <laughs> Say again. You froze for humorous position. Oh. Okay. We we can all imitate
2: <laughs> it at once if you want. Okay
0: nice (laughs) i think this is funny so i leave this stuff in just so you guys know (laughs) the notes are below uh with all our work please check us out uh we're not monetized so if you like what we do consider buying a book but also consider liking subscribing leaving a review leave us a comment for the algorithms please and thank you that's all the time we have now for the lord you forgot one thing
3: you and i have a book coming out in mass market paperback. And I didn't mention it because I thought you would.
0: <laughs> that is true, The Romanov Rescue, a novel of an alternate Russian civil war uh, in which the uh, Reds may not just went, oh, thank you, Joelle. Thanks, Joelle. <laughs> that is the beautiful hard copy that Joelle is holding in her hand. I am really, Happy with that cover, however, phallic it may seem to some people. <laughs> um, but I'm really happy with the, the Zeppelin on that there one. Um, so that is out in paperback in November. I want to say, yeah, I sometime this made. fall. In the yeah, fall, sometime this fall. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. Um, more to that to come. We may have an event in uh, corresponding with that, Casey. But I can't make any firm announcements on that. So thank you so much. That's all the time we have for Lauren Bauer for real this time, Lauren Bauer this time. So please like, subscribe, hit the bell. I'll see you next time. And until then, keep up the fire.
2: Bye.